everybody's going to want to say, okay, Jameis threw interceptions. Jameis didn't throw one damn interception. That was his fault. His receivers let him down today. Guys stopped on routes that were supposed to be going down the middle. The last play was supposed to go down the middle. Should have been a big play. He played his tail off. And uh, you can write what you want. But he, not one of those interceptions was his fault, and it's a damn shame. Uh, you know, we, we, we wasted some, some opportunities, the turnovers early in the game. We fought back. Anything that happens in the first quarter, you can overcome. We overcame it. The, the big drive, uh, two interceptions that were called back, and uh, just it's frustrating. This is Mike Allstott, Tempe Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother! When you hear the sound of the trunk, we'll be saying, here we come. Yeah, here we come. Hey, here we come. Check uh, out, man. We're good. Kicking these balls. listening and you're missing out. Gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. We are back at you today for episode number 77. In the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fall to 2-5 on Sunday after a 27-23 loss at the hands of Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans. Way too many times the Buccaneers failed to find the end zone. And the defense was given a short field situation. More than it should have been. And of course, the referees played a factor as well. I mean, when do they not? But yet again, they are the bane of the Buccaneers' existence this last Sunday. So yeah, 2-5, and five, not a place you want to be. And we're going to talk about all of that and more here on the show today. Welcome back. If you're new around here, I am your host, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, as always, my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Bucks Football, Evan Wanish. And Evan, a tough loss for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, one that really sets the tone for where the season's going to go from here. And like I said, 2-5, and five, a hole that you really don't want to dig yourself out of. We saw this team a few years ago go from 3-5 and five to 8-5. and five. So there's definitely still time for something like that to develop. Uh, but based on the evidence that we've seen from this team, I just I, – I don't know, man. How are you feeling? 
Yeah, I I have a hard time seeing a run like that. Um, that that five game stretch in 2016 was it was some luck, um, but it was also a lot of good plays that they made. Um, and this this team right now, just like you said, you know, they haven't shown you enough to even think that that run is possible. Uh, right now, they've lost three straight. Yeah, you just, just got to focus on getting one win, let alone uh, five. And you kind of look at the game on Sunday against Tennessee. Don't let the box score fool you yet again, kind of like the New Orleans games. It just felt like the Bucks were outplayed in pretty much every aspect of this football game. It definitely wasn't as nasty as New Orleans or Carolina. No, it was there a close, still, I thought it was a close game. It was a close game, but it, even when the Bucks were winning, they had the lead in the third quarter. I believe the fourth quarter for a little bit, but they had the lead towards the end of the game for a little mm-hmm. bit. And even then, I just didn't have this feeling like the Bucks were going to hang on to it and win the football game, and mm-hmm. they ultimately did not. But there were a lot of things that did not happen in the Bucks' favor um, against the Titans, and it, it really sucks to see because it's just showing that this road trip is uh, so far getting the best of us. Three losses in a row, not where you want to be, but luckily Carolina lost and uh, the Falcons still suck, so... Say what you want about the Bucks. We're surrounded by some uh, not great teams as well in the division. Um, so, well, what does that say about the Bucks then? Y- yeah, you know? yeah, like they lost. They went to London and got trounced by the Panthers. Yet, you know, the Panthers' defense was all over the Bucks, and it's the same defense that just gave up like over forty points. So. Well, and the, yeah, that's the same. That's the same uh, Panthers team who just lost to San Francisco like fifty-one to fourteen. I think the final score was. So. It was fifty-one thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. Take take. Kyle, what you Kyle Allen was was awful. Um, Bucks defense made him look good. I mean, and a lot of other defenses were making him look good, but you know, we know how the Buccaneers roll with backup quarterbacks, and uh, Sunday in Tennessee was no exception. Now let's do I, some quick. I thought they were fine. Honestly, they, they were OK. I'm not going to say that it was a terrible game on all aspects. The defense was fine. They were put in a lot of terrible situations, which is what I had said way too many times. They were thrown on the field in a short field situation. Um, and we'll break that down. Let's go over some stats really quick. And of course, we kind of have to open the show and we have to talk about Jameis Winston because for another week in a row, he's well, yeah, we had we had the bye week. So we didn't talk about him last week, but. For another Bucks game, he is the topic of discussion. Let's go over this quick stat line. Officially from the game, Jameis went 21 for 43, 301 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, two interceptions that he threw and were bailed out. One was incomplete after hitting the ground. That was to Malcolm Butler. And then another one came back on a penalty, I believe. Um, and then to add to the turnover train, three fumbles, two were lost. One wasn't his fault. One was a bad snap from Ryan Jensen, who mistimed things. Jameis wasn't looking for the football. He turns back to snap, and the ball hits him in the face. They lose that fumble. And another short yard situation for the defense, the first of many. Um, I, I I can't do it with Jameis Winston anymore, man. You know me, the eternal optimist, the Jameis apologist. That's how you know it's bad. I'll admit it, you know. I said that after week one, and I said a few weeks ago, I I keep saying the same thing. There is no defending this guy. And um, I saw today exactly what I didn't want to see, and it was Jameis Winston coming back from a bye week just not looking good, man. I mean, (laughs) you know, the offensive line had their moments. They were a little bit sloppy as well, but there were a few throws that, I just didn't get. Um, you heard in the intro 
we used an excerpt from Bruce Arians' post-game press conference. He said Jameis Winston didn't throw an interception that was his fault. The only one that I can argue with is the Chris Godwin. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but... He, I mean, he overthrew the hell out of yeah, Chris no, Godwin. Yeah, he made, he made the right read there. Like, that that's the right decision. It was just a horribly thrown ball. And maybe, you know, Godwin didn't run the wrong route, as Arians kind of suggested. But, um, you know, you almost hope so, because, right. um, you know, like I said, Godwin was open right there. It's just... I, I guess Winston must have expected it to be higher or something. I don't know. Um, the one I'd argue though is the Brashad Perryman one. Yeah, and I was. I, I was, think sorry. I think he is a real case for that. Um, it sure seemed like Brashad Perryman was supposed to be sort of in the middle, and you could tell like as soon as Brashad Perryman got over to the sideline, um, they really got on him well, pretty hard. So it even, seemed like he was almost supposed to be in the middle. Looking back on the route, he even slowed down. Like, it was, mm-hmm. and like you said, yeah, uh, you look at the defense that they played. I think they played a cover two, and typically yep. if you're Brashad Perryman, you bend inside and go towards the middle, which is what he was supposed to do, and he did not do that. Jameis made the right read. He threw it with the right anticipation, and he just wasn't where he needed mm-hmm. to be. A Titans defender was, and they picked it off. And no, that Also, I, I, don't believe, I don't believe Winston had three fumbles. Um, he had two that he lost. I don't believe they had one that was, was recovered by the Bucks. Okay. Um, and I also, there was no interception that was taken back off of a penalty. Um, that only happened for the Bucks, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Twice in the same drive nice. by the same player. Almost like back-to-back plays, but we'll get yeah. into that. Yeah, we'll talk about that part. Okay, maybe, I, I don't know. I normally pull the post-game stats off of uh, ESPN, and I, I remembered two interceptions that he threw. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that didn't end up counting. Maybe it wasn't a penalty that called it back. Well, there was well, there was the one Malcolm Butler one that hit the ground, and yeah. then there was the one uh, I believe Logan Ryan one where they originally called it an interception, um, but then looked back on it and okay. the ball hit the yeah. ground. That's the one I'm thinking of. My fault. Excuse me for that. I was wrong there. But either way, he got bailed out twice, and we saw it against Carol uh, against Carolina in London. He did have the terrible game with interceptions. But he had a few throws that he got bailed out on. We've seen it quite a few times this season, actually. You know, his stat line doesn't say everything it needs to because we have seen the bad throws that are intercepted, and then he gets bailed out because of a penalty, because of a review, whatever it is. He should have five or six more interceptions on the year. And, you know, as much as I hate to say that after defending the guy for two and a half years, it just... It's longer than that. It, it, I, I mean, un- that's the unfortunate part, you know? Yeah. Um, you've had to defend him basically since the day he was drafted. I mean, the, the guy's – I mean, the, even the day he was drafted, you had to defend him because when he was drafted, that's when the off-field things were. It wasn't really much on-field. A lot of people believed him in on-field. It was just a lot of people didn't believe he was a good person, didn't believe, you know, like a lot of the off-field stuff was going to – they believed that it was going to be an issue. Yeah, I, I never believed all that nonsense. I mean, he's. It, no, I think I, ever since his kid, dude, his mind has been in the right place. You can tell that he wants to win. Oh and no, that, there's there's no question of that. But you know, that, the, the, the issue. I mean, this dude's first pass was an interception. Um, like this dude's first NFL pass was an interception. Pick six um, against the Titans, um, and uh, you know, it's just. Ever since then, you just you've had to defend him, you know, and unfortunately now his clock's ticking and it's time starting to run out. And it's not that I, I said it last week on the bye week show. 
I like Jameis a lot. I really want him to do well. And listen, he still has time, nine games left to change my mind, change the narrative for a lot of people. Um, he has time. I mean, it's running out for sure. Quickly. But I want him to do well so bad, but I just can't anymore, man. And, and right now, the mindset is that the Buccaneers are going to be looking for a quarterback. If there isn't a big name in free agency, which right now it looks like there's a few that might pop out there, then mm. you're going to look towards the draft. And looking towards the draft sucks. Because well, you know what the good news is. What's that? If you are looking for a quarterback in the draft, you beat you lost to the Titans who are going to be looking for a quarterback, definitely. So you're going to end up like ahead of them most likely in the draft. So um, they would have to trade up ahead of you. Um, so I think two quarterbacks are guaranteed to go. That's to Cincinnati and to Miami. Don't know which two, but two yeah. quarterbacks are guaranteed to go. And, and, and we, then there, there will be a third one probably in the top ten. Whether that's with the Buccaneers, I don't know. Whether that's with the you know, Titans, I don't know. But, you know, I would expect at least three QBs in the top ten. Um, and then, you know, we'll see. But, um yeah, the, if if there's any silver lining and the Bucks are, you know, for the crowd that, you know, wants a tank now, the silver lining for you guys is that this loss put the Titans, a QB needy team in the offseason, they're going to be a QB needy team, put them behind the Buccaneers as yeah. far as draft order goes. You hate to see it, and uh, like I said, Jameis Winston, he still has time to fix things and, and make a case for himself to be the Buccaneers quarterback next year. Um, but right now things are not looking good, especially when you come back from a bye week. You've got a little more time to make adjustments and game plan, and he just makes the same, uh, same mistakes week in and week out. The inconsistency is going to kill him, not literally, but his professional football career eventually if things aren't, uh, things aren't changed. So enough about Jameis. I'm upset about it. You're upset about it. Everyone and their mother is upset about it. You can say what you want to say, but right now he's still our quarterback and he's still going to be our quarterback. Probably. Yeah, they're, week they're not 17. benching him. There's yeah. no way they're going to bench him yeah. just because the sole fact that like you, you got it. Like, I mean, and I know some fans are going to say, well, I'm sure, but like the bucks, like as an organization have to be 100% sure that they're ready to move on from him because it's a big, it's a big move. You know, you're talking about basically almost hitting a reset button. Um, and that's, that's huge. Uh, that, that's a, that's a franchise changing thing. So they're not going to sit, you know, like I said, they don't have a Ryan Tannehill that they can go to and win games for him. Like they're not going to sit James Winston for Ryan Griffin. Like they want to see as much of Winston as they can. If, you know, they want to either have Winston perform horribly and show them that, you know, he shouldn't be back next year or perform well and show them that he should be back. There, There's no in-between. Yeah. Now, it is what it is. Like I said, we're not Even though, spend... a little disclaimer, I will say, today you're more, for actually for the first time, I think, ever, uh, you've been more hard on him today than I am because... <laughs> There's a few plays. I mean, he worked his tail off in the second half. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was just fighting for every yard. He had to run. I believe he was their leading rusher. They couldn't run the ball for nothing. Um, and, I mean, every time he ran the ball, he was just trying to break tackles, do whatever he could. A lot of it looked like uh, Florida State Jameis almost, just trying to improvise, you know, get out of the pocket, throw it downfield. Mike Evans had a big day. Then, um, you know, that last interception, like I tweeted out, like, everybody's going to harp on him for that, that second one that, I mean, pretty much ended the game. But, guys, the game was already over. Like, right. 
Did you honestly expect the Buccaneers to go from their own 24-yard line with 40 seconds left and no timeouts needing a touchdown to actually score a touchdown? Like, come on. Like, you never know. No. Any given Sunday no. in the NFL. I, I understand that, but that, <laughs> the odds of that happening are oh, no, so I know. low. And, you know, the Titans are only going to be preventing, you know, a deep ball. So you can't push the ball down the field as much as you'd like to. And, unfortunately, that's what happened. So, like, on those, I almost give him a mulligan. The, the two fumbles was were not his fault, especially the first one. The first one was completely on Jensen. I mean, Jameis didn't even snap the ball. He was still checking the protections. Yeah. Um, so that's on Jensen. And Donovan Smith gets blown by. Uh, that's Winston's blind side. Not much he can do about that. Obviously, you could say, well, he could feel it. But, I mean, it was so quick and stuff. Um First interception was a problem. I thought he had a little bit of accuracy issues in the first half, but overall, I thought Winston was inconsistent, and unfortunately, that's just been the case too many times in his uh, five-year career so far. Yep, that's what's going to get him. But let's move on. Like we said, Jameis Winston going to be your Bucks quarterback for the rest of the season, so all we can do is sit back and watch to see how he plays next week against Seattle. Uh, another <laughs> stat line that I want to go over that really jumps out at you, it's Mike Evans, 11 receptions, 198 yards, and A two record, touchdowns, right? breaking records left and right. He yep. broke his own record for receptions at a game, I believe, and then uh, he also broke the record for most receptions in Buccaneer history, passing James Wilder. So... What a day for Mike Evans, but really sucks yeah. that we can't cherish and talk about it more because of well, a disappointing Buccaneer loss. And he sort of seems to be uh, a little uh, a little frustrated, huh? And <laughs> Yeah. I mean, rightfully so. I mean, in, in the post-game uh, locker room interviews, he basically said, you know, like, he's like, I effing hate losing. And, I mean, you can't blame him. But then he also says, you know, like, it sort of seemed like, like, I've never seen those quotes out of him. And it was weird. Like, it, I've never seen those kind of quotes out of the him like that. It was something that Mark Cook had said on Twitter, a pewter report. He said he sensed a lot of anger in the Buccaneers locker room today. A, a lot of animosity from a lot of guys who, kind of like Mike Evans said, they're just fed up with losing. You know, these yeah. guys want to win. They're not going to want to tank because they know they're going to get a great draft pick next year for a quarterback. They want to win every mm. damn game. I'm pretty sure Bruce Arian <laughs> said that in his press conference as yeah. well. So to see them fired up, maybe it leads to something. Maybe it doesn't. But, uh, again, week by week, and uh, we'll figure it out as we okay. go along. So here is one of the Mike Evans quotes. This is from Greg Allman, The Athletic. So it said, at this point, I just effing hate losing. Everybody's face... Everybody's down in the locker room. I want to see everybody jumping up in the locker room being happy against especially teams that we're better than. Obviously, if you watch the game, we're better than them. We gave them the game. We can't do that in the NFL. They're still NFL players. They're solid, but I believe we're a better team. And then he was talking. He talked about not getting targeted in the fourth quarter at all. Uh, he wanted the ball even when he's well covered. So he said, even when I'm covered, I think I'm open. I'm a 6'5 receiver with decent athletic ability. I've got to make more plays, I guess. That's not a good sign. Um, so then, and he didn't even really realize that he didn't get a target in the fourth quarter. So he says, like, I didn't get a target in the fourth quarter. That hurts. They played a lot of man coverage in this game. That's how football goes, I guess. That is um, something. Like, And I, I don't think... Bucks fans should just ignore that 
because that could either be the start of lighting, just like you said, almost when Mark Cook said, it could be the same as like an individual for Mike Evans. That could almost be like Mike Evans getting fired up and like going to another level. Or that could be Mike Evans mailing it in and trying to get out and hit Tampa Bay as fast as he can. Like, it's either going to go one or two ways because you've never always seen those kind of quotes from Mike Evans. Um, he's just not a guy that throws that stuff out there. So I think it's noteworthy. I know a lot of people will probably brush it off, but I think that a lot of people should keep an eye on it. Maybe it's something to hang on to. Well, uh, again, just like a lot of things this season, we'll have to see how it develops. we got nine games left. The Buccaneers can continue to use him regardless of no targets in the fourth quarter. He had a hell of a day today, was on pace for a record-breaking game, and uh, I don't know. Let's hope they can figure it out because they were able to get the ball to him as much as they needed to today, and uh, he looked good. He looked good despite a bad team loss. Now, one of the things you brought up was missed opportunities uh, from that Mike Evans quote, and that was a common theme in the Buccaneers' loss to Tennessee. So on the first drive of the game, well, on the first offensive drive of the game for the Bucs, uh, they stayed true to what their game plan has been pretty much all year. Uh, it was a lot of run and pass, a little balance. Peyton Barber had some nice gains. They made some passes. I think Cam Brate and Chris Godwin both moved the ball. Um, Jameis took a deep shot to Mike. Ball was overthrown. Pass interference called. First and goal. Score. Handed. First and goal. They couldn't punch it in. They got a field goal. Put the score up 3-0. It's points, but when you're handed a situation like first and goal, you have to take away six yep. points. Like, there, no ifs, ands, or buts. In that situation, first drive of the game, you're handed first and goal. If you don't come away with six points, it just sets the tone for the game. And, yep. I mean, I don't know, man. That 3-0 well, lead did not last very long. No, it didn't. Well, it did because the defense got to stop and then – the offense decided to do another turnover. Yeah. And then the Titans just took advantage of it. See how they scored in, in the red zone. Um, so that was the theme of the first half. Uh, they just they couldn't score a touchdown. And they did uh, what they do. They did the end of the first half, and then the beginning of the second half they did. So they finally were able to. But, I mean, it was nine it was what fourteen to nine or something like that. I forget. Um, like seventeen to nine or something. Yeah, I think it was seventeen um, to nine because they scored yeah. right before the half. Yeah, so that's three field goals, and what one of them was a was a, like one. I, th- I believe one of them was a forty-eight yarder. I want to say it was a longer one, so they weren't in the red zone then. Um, but the other one, I believe it might have been the second one, maybe the third one. They were right there, like. You got to score. Well, let's also take a look at the play calling that happened in the red zone because you had guys being forced the ball like Dario Gambuale. Tanner Hudson, who has zero receptions in in his NFL career, was being forced. Well, he only got one target, though. Yeah, I mean, but still, I don't know, man. Like, on that play where it's tossed to Tanner Hudson, you look, Mike Evans I thought he almost had it. Mike Evans was open towards the corner because his defender had slipped and fallen. Um, and, I mean, sure, Jameis had already let go of the ball by the time that happened. Did, they score? Did they score on that same drive? Who, the box? Yeah, was that the, the one to Hudson? On the no, pass to Hudson not. that was incomplete? they did not. They, they didn't score a touchdown? They did not. They ended up with a field goal. No, no, yeah, they did. 
Well, then who did they throw it to? No, no, they threw it to. That was the drive where that was the drive at the end of the half. They threw it to Hudson. It was incomplete. It says Jameis Winston pass sh- incomplete short right to Hudson, and then another pass incomplete to Dario Gumbale, and then the Mike Evans touchdown, and then they failed on a two point conversion. Okay. So that was that was the one that, that you were referring to. Because I believe that was his only target of the game. All right, so. you caught me on that. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just not as precise this game. These losses, they start to mesh together. and I, I, I thought you'd be used to it by now. But. It, yeah, I know. I, I feel kind of bad that I'm off on my game. But I promise you, I remember a lot of the bad things that happened. But I wanted to talk about this red zone play calling because regardless of if they were able to get those two touchdowns in the second half, uh, play calling in general, and especially uh, red zone play calling personnel-wise, was absolutely abysmal. Listen, I swear to God, if they, I can't even believe I'm saying this, if they ever run right up the middle on a game-deciding fourth down play oh, yeah. again, after a timeout, basically with a two-minute warning, you got to be kidding me. You had a minute, maybe even more than a minute, to think about what you wanted to do, and you came up with that. Oh, my God. That's brutal. That is brutal. That was, that was a they, rough one they, At that point, they deserved to lose that game. At, at that point. Yeah. And that was pretty much a nail in the coffin, but they deserved to lose that game at that point. Yeah. And, and I mean, from what we've seen – Play calling just is not working on offense with Byron Leftwich. Um, it sucks because, you know, B.A. trusts the guy a lot. He trusts every single person on that coaching staff. But week in and week out, we are seeing conservative play calling lose the Buccaneers football games. And it's just not working anymore. Yeah. Well, when they're able to mix it up and find a nice balance and really commit to the run game and get things going. That's when we see this offense play well. But offensively... If you want to commit to the run game by giving two quarterbacks 10 carries each, that's not going to give you a decisive runner. Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones. I believe Peyton Barber, what was it, 11 11 carries for 25 yards, and Ronald Jones 10 carries for 35 yards. What I saw today is that Peyton Barber is not running back one material, and Ronald Jones needs to get 20-plus carries a game. Yeah, Peyton Barber had 10 carries, 20 yards. Ronald Jones had 11 carries, 35 yards, and Winston had eight carries, 53 yards. Um, that's how you know, like you're you're discombobulated because when you went, you said uh, two quarterbacks, um, which I, I oh, like. It, you know, you, you really you're like two quarterbacks. <laughs> it's nice. It's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, the problem is they don't do that balance enough. Now in the fourth quarter, there was I don't know, probably like eight minutes left or something. I don't know. Um, it, it ran together in my head too. So, um, but I was just thinking to myself, I was like, you know, like they're starting to pass the ball a little bit too much. Like you can, yes, you're down. Sure. But you can still like, just do your game plan. Like don't abandon the run game, but don't also abandon the pass game. And you know, I do think they did a better job of not abandoning the pass after uh, Winston's uh, turnovers there, uh, because you know, in the like in past games we've seen, like they would just run, 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 yeah, um, and that wouldn't work. But yeah, I mean they got to find a balance somehow. And yeah, Jones did get more carries than Barber. I haven't seen the snap count of how many uh, snaps that Jones and Barber had, but Dario Gumbali must have played the most because I mean he's useless. 
Um, I'm sorry, but he is useless. He should be used on special teams only. He is useless as a third down pass catching running back. Like, Come on. And what we saw from number 44 today is that he cannot pick up a blitz. He cannot block worth a shit. And he can't catch a football. That's um, what he's on the team for. Exactly. Like, and uh, he's got a captain's patch. Yeah, it's a special team's special captain's teams, patch. Yeah. But even then, he doesn't help out very much on special teams. So kind of like what you said, seeing 44, Dare Ogunbowale, and Peyton Barber on the field especially with Dari getting as much field time as he gets. It's just holding back Ronald Jones. Yeah, I don't understand. They they refuse. I mean, I, I give him credit because obviously they're giving him more opportunities than previous coaching staff did. But for some reason, Bruce Arians is like in love with Peyton Barber. And like, how long is it going to take? How much more games can you see Peyton Barber is not getting any yards and not getting any explosive plays? And Ronald Jones would. And like, even the even the play that Ronald Jones got blown up on, he got tackled behind the line. He made a man miss and tried to just kind of bounce outside of his blocker. You know, he has a very, very good vision for running the football. He can see what's happening and what he has to avoid because he has that shiftiness and that burst speed that Peyton Barber does not. Ronald Jones yeah. can make things happen faster, and that's the yeah. important part because you look back at so many plays with Peyton Barber and – in my mind, I'm like, all right, well, if Ronald Jones was on the field in that moment, he would have just bounced to the outside and been gone because there was nobody there. But Peyton Barber doesn't have that speed, and as much as he is, you know, a big, heavy, powerful runner, yes. which is great, it's just not making things happen, especially when teams can sniff it out because they run very predictably with Peyton Barber. And uh, wow. maybe that's part of the reason he doesn't go anywhere. This is what I was going to get into. I'm glad you said sort of what you said about Barber. Is he a power back? Like, come on. Like, he's not a power back. I wouldn't say he's like, a power, power back, backs, but he definitely... Power backs, you know what? You know what power backs do? On that fourth and one, power backs don't get stuffed up like that. Power yeah. backs just keep pu- pushing forward, you know? Um, obviously, they may not get it still, but, like, oh, man, I don't know. Like, I, I and I don't know if Peyton Barber's going to be here next year. Obviously, he's a free agent. So... I don't know. It, it's it's confusing. It really is. And some of it's left, which I think a lot of it with like the running back situation, like who starts and stuff. Like I think a lot of that's Arians. I just I just don't really understand. Yeah. So things just aren't working on offense. You really got to take a look and reevaluate. You don't have a bye week to do it. So we'll see what they can do between now and next week. Um, looking at the defensive side of the ball, we brought it up earlier in the show. You said they played fine, and in all fairness, they did. They played a fine football. They were, yeah, they I were mean, it was a little some, unfair to them. Almost. They were put in some bad situations, which, yes, was fairly unfair. Um, but there's one guy that pops out in probably the most interesting day. And I say interesting because at times he played very well in coverage, but... He drew some flags, and uh, he just kind of screwed up when he shouldn't have. And that's number 33, cornerback Carlton Davis. Uh, For a while, Carlton Davis was playing some good football. And you can't take away the stuff that he did do well because he did play well in coverage. honestly probably his best game of his career. He he did play well in coverage for the most part. Uh, He had one play in particular 
Titans threw that are tight end. It would have been a first down, but Carlton Davis, who didn't get beat but didn't play down in his coverage enough, he basically screamed downhill and smacked the ball, and uh, that was a good heads-up play for him to kind of make up for being behind. But overall, his tendency to draw flags that resulted in first downs really just overshadowed anything he did all day long. Um, well, and negated two turnovers. Well, I mean, yeah, and I was about to say that. Tennessee's driving in the third quarter. He was able to come up with two pass breaks up, uh, two pass breakups and then two interceptions. But both of the interceptions were wiped out due to pass interference penalties. Both resulted in first downs, and then eventually only three points for the Titans. But regardless, you're giving up two huge chunk plays, and then you make it easy for him to put points on the board. Um, just he, saying, I think that that tight end on the second one should go to the NBA because he's pretty good at flopping. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was a good dude. sell. I mean, he, Davis did put his hands on him, but I mean, he just flings his arms up in the air yeah, and acts he, like he had shot out of a cannon. So yeah, he sold that. But his worst <clears throat> place of the game was terrible technique on a Titans go-ahead touchdown. I mean, when he had helped to the inside, Corey Davis, or uh, I'm sorry, was it Corey Davis? No, uh, it was um, AJ Brown, I believe. Well, Carlton Davis, he bit on an inside, and then like kind of dropped off, and then he he kind of just shifted to the wrong side. It was almost like he shifted inside instead of going out and following the receiver, and he just he, he just lost it. Like it was easy as hell at that point. Yeah, there's a little bit of a bump uh, by the receiver. Just gonna point out to the refs that um, we'll get into them next. Yeah, uh, yeah, we just got gonna, a lot to say just about gonna those point refs. Out, just gonna point out to the refs if you're gonna call that pass interference on Carlson Davis on that interception that you know he pushed like that, um, call offensive pass interference on that one. Go back and look and see where his hand goes. See where the receiver's hand goes on Davis's chest, and it's almost the same exact thing, and they didn't call it. So. Yeah. Whatever. You hate to see it. But some other things from this defense, and we'll talk about, you know, some of the things they did do well. Because, like you said, they played a fine game for the most part. One of the biggest Without things Without those jumped- two turnovers, they played good. Like, if yeah. you, if you like, get rid of those first two where they were already backed up, they played good. Well, like, they would have the, won the game. That's the difference as well with how they played against the Titans as opposed to any other team. Uh, Sure, Ryan Tannehill threw for almost 200 yards and three touchdowns, but he wasn't carving us up, man. And for the longest time... The Titans aren't designed that way. Yeah, but for the longest time, we held them to under 100 total yards, even though they had the lead for most of the game. It was was a fairly... Dude, they had zero yards and had a 7-3 lead. Yeah, it was a fairly low production day for Tennessee. Think about that. Zero yards, and you're leading the football game. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. It's insane, dude. But on the defensive side of the ball, a big storyline coming into this week, and a guy who proved a lot of people wrong, including myself, was outside linebacker Jason Pierre-Paul. He was activated this week. He came into the game, and he had that big neck brace on. But mm-hmm. his first snap, his first freaking snap, back from a broken freaking neck, is a sack on Ryan Tannehill. I mean, he picked up right where he left off, and uh, good on him because he had a solid day, and he looked good out there. Kudos, my friend. Yeah. Like, fantastic. 
Like, that's, like, honestly, like, when he did that, I just started laughing. I just had a big smile on my face because that's great. Like, nobody expected this guy to be back week eight. Like, we were all like, okay, he could be eligible week eight. I even said, I was like, I don't think he plays this year. Um, Like, and I thought his career might have been over. Neck injuries are the worst. Like, literally the worst. Um, And this dude almost broke his neck completely. Uh, You know, he might have been almost close to dying who knows like you know what i mean if he it turns one way or something serious injury i mean was it the, was uh, very serious yeah and the fact that this dude battled back came back week eight when he was allowed to now obviously i think if it was any earlier like maybe the earliest might have been week seven he might have been able to play like actually so i think like it helped having like you know the buy and stuff and like how it all worked out but to get a sack, and I mean, like he was assisted by a few. There's like a pressure there that like pushed Tannehill up to get that sack. That was great. Like yeah. that was that was great, and that just put that should have put a smile on even like the the most generic football fan's face. If you know like what the guy went through um, this whole off season, like that should put a huge smile on your face. Yeah, you can't write that storyline any better. So good for him, and that's the thing as well. Um, you know, a lot of people just didn't think he was going to come back and be productive, and I didn't either. I put out a tweet earlier this week. I said, you know, I am so happy the JPP is back, but let's be realistic. If he only gets 20 or 30% snaps, like if he's really not on the field that much, I'm not going to lose my mind because I don't fully yeah. expect him to be ready. It felt too good to be true. But adding him back to that pass rush really just showed the strength of having him and Shaq Barrett on the side, who also had a sack today. Ten Good sacks now in the year. Yep, sack number ten. Uh, Vita Vea continued to look impressive. He's just mauling people left and right. And Damakasu did what he could. He had one pretty poor effort on a play. I saw the video on Twitter. I don't remember the exact play, but I remember he was within five feet of a player on the Titans. And he just kind of walked and turned around and didn't do very much to commit to uh, stopping that play. But it is what it is. Bucks still lose. I mean, yeah, he. I don't think he was too great today. He yeah. had a penalty, offsides penalty, I believe. Um, also on that long Derrick Henry run, he broke contain. Well, not really broke contain, but the gap. He uh, broke the gap completely. He went to the wrong gap, which allowed Derrick Henry to get that that long run when they were like way backed up. Uh, yeah, I didn't think it was a strong game for Ndamukongsu. Um, you know, I thought it had a good game. Well, first, let's get into Levante Davis. He had a monster game. Yes, um, he did. There was that was the one play I want to point out. The screen pass that the Titans threw. He gets chipped. Yeah. Falls to the ground, gets up, and still makes a tackle. Like, that was a great play. And Matt Millen, uh, who was announcing the game, if you guys were you know watching at home on TV, he was announcing the game. He was like, "Oh man, like he just got so excited." And I, you know, Matt Millen, like he was okay. Like he talked a little bit too I hated much, it, man. but he, he really shut up. I, I didn't mind it. Like he talked a little bit too much, but like I liked him getting excited and stuff about it. I think it was. Um, I think it was cool when he did get excited because there were a few moments in the game where he was like, "That was awesome." When it was yeah. like, a sheer force yeah. of like defense, or you know, a, a play like Levante David getting chipped, getting back up, and making the play, stuff like that's awesome. And you like to hear people get excited about your football team. But Matt Miller and the other guy who was calling the game, I just, oh, I couldn't stand the duo. I, I hated it, man. It sucked. I muted well, my TV Matt and Millen. listened to Gene Deckerhoff in the third quarter. Matt Millen, he, he sucked as a GM. Or, yeah, he was, he was a GM of the Lions. 
He's actually he was the GM when they went zero uh, and sixteen. So, but I, I think <laughs> I thought he was fine. You know, whatever. Um, but yeah, Levante David had a heck of a game, uh, and the other guy, you know, Devin White played pretty good. Um, I thought this was probably one of his uh, probably his best game, and not a lot of people like realized it. I guess. Yeah. Um, I thought he played pretty darn well. Um, thought he was active. He went all he was all over the place. Missed a few assignments and pass coverage. His pass coverage could get a little bit better. Um, other than that, you know, he's fine. Another guy I wanted to point out, Sean Murphy Bunting, I thought was decent today. Uh, he had a pretty nice pass breakup. I'm not sure how many snaps he got, but I didn't really hear his name much. And if you're a corner, you know, like I saw him out there a few times, and you don't hear your name when I see you out there, that's good because that means you're not really being targeted. And honestly, the, the Titans receivers did not do, you know, a, a great job today. And that that's kind of the thing. I, I don't know how you want to look at it. You said the Titans receivers didn't do a good job, but I'll say that the secondary, the unit as a whole, they looked a little more comfortable than we've seen them these past but, three yeah, or four weeks. But also, like the Titans have, the Titans are a running football team. Like that's what they are. They yep. are a, a run, ground and pound, grind it out, you know, bo- sort of a boring football style. Um that's just who they are, and the receivers are built to where they they're not going to have the explosive plays. I'm interested to see what the Bucks do against guys like Tyler Tyler Lockett next week. Um, yeah. He's he's an explosive guy, um, so we'll, it'll be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, I mean the Titans just the way they're designed, it was beneficial to the Bucks, and I'm hoping it carries over. But I'm just not sure it will. Yeah. And you brought up Devin White. He did have a really good game, and probably the highlight play for him was the fumble. Mm. And I'm going to keep calling it a fumble. And uh, we'll talk about these referees in just one second, I promise. But I've got one more guy that's on my shit list that I want to talk about. And it's number 76, Donovan Smith. I, I mean, D. Smith, he got beat, and he looked sloppy all day long. Like, this is nothing new here. But he looked pretty bad. For most of the game. Uh, you're trailing by four late in the fourth quarter. One of the things that pops up. Bucks took over with a chance to respond. Get the lead back. Second play of that drive. Smith got beat badly to the outside by Isaiah Smith. He knocked the ball loose while Winston was throwing. Smith got the fumble. And then Tennessee took over with nine minutes remaining. So Isaiah Smith. Who are you talking about? Isaiah Smith. No, Isaiah Smith does not exist. Okay. Well, whatever I'm getting my notes <laughs> it was, from. I think it was uh, Harold Landry who caused the fumble. Then I'm thinking Harold Landry then, but I don't know. Whatever, I, I'm, getting my, uh, whatever I'm getting I my never, notes from. <laughs> I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to think of a football player named Isaiah Smith. I can't. Well, take it up, with, uh, take it up with the site that I get my notes and most of my stats from. <clears throat> Isaiah Smith. Thursday, yeah, when 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 you uh when you look up uh, Isaiah Smith on Google, there's nothing that comes up, <laughs> <laughs> like nothing. It's uh, he is a uh, football University of Rochester Athletics. He's an outside nice, linebacker. Nice. Um, he is a baseball prospect. Huh. Um, well, maybe I mean CBS CBS Pittsburgh. Um. Got five to 15 years of fatal Oakland shooting. Oh, no. Oh, no. Isaiah Smith really has a track record, (laughs) but not as a football player. So excuse me for that. I I make that mistake a lot, but that must be a typo from uh, the website that I pull a lot of my post-game stuff from, and you are very well familiar with the website. But either way, 
Donovan Smith did not look good, and in that moment, he did not give up. Well, he did give up a pretty crucial play to Landry, and uh, Tennessee was able to make the play. So, he had a terrible day. Bad day. Bad day in the office. Um, Like, I thought first half he was pretty good, but it just seemed like the second half, like, he just got wore down almost by Harold Landry. And maybe that was Landry's plan. I think Landry is a heck of a player. Yeah. Uh, And he is a really good pass rusher. And... You know, all pass rushers have a plan of how because they you have to have a plan of how you're going to attack a guy and how you're going to wear him down. And maybe that was Landry's plan. You know, maybe not right now, but eventually I'm going to be able to get by this guy. And in that you know late third, early fourth quarter, the Titans were finally able to get the best of the Bucks offensive line. Yeah, uh, and, and you, know, I mean, you know who played well? I thought Lamar Dotson played pretty well. Yeah, it was nice having him back, and I, I think it was something yeah. that went yeah. unrecognized, but having him back definitely helped out that right side just a little bit. Um, but kind of taking a look at that Titans front four, they they played a good game all day long. You can't really Je- ignore Jeffrey that. Jeffrey Simmons is going to be a star. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to bring up was Jeffrey Simmons. We heard his name all day long, and yes, you can look at Second this game. game. You can look at this game where it's two bad offensive lines, sure, um, but regardless, he was able to have a good game, and I mean, they just got beat in the trenches. It happens. Yep. So, we talked about Donovan Smith. We talked about everything that happened up until this point. We have to talk about one glaring issue, and it's the referees. Uh, so NFL officiating, right? NFL officiating has been the bane of Tampa's season week in and week out. It seems like. Uh, today was no exception. I mean, there was even a point in the game where Jameis Winston was literally screaming uh, at the referees yeah. who continued to no-call, hands to the face, and then a late hit out of bounds. This is back-to-back plays on the same yeah. drive. I mean, he was well out of bounds when he got hit, and yeah. it was a no-call. But the well, it, final... wasn't, it wasn't really a hit. It was more like a shove, but you see any other quarterback. Can they get that call, especially when he's that out of the bounds? But the final nail in the coffin came in the fourth quarter. (laughs) We brought up the play. The Titans came out in field goal formation only to fake it with their punter tucking and running. They thought they could could get cute with a terrible play call. It's 27-23. The game is not in the bag, so let's call a fake field goal. And they do just that. Well, their punter... Is sent out wide. He's running, he's running, he's running. And then, boom, Devin White with a clothesline from hell. He looks like JBL in the WWE. (laughs) He put a stop to that. Jarred the ball loose. It was picked up by Tampa Bay. I don't even remember who recovered. It doesn't even matter. Andrew Adams. Andrew Adams recovers. And he had nothing but daylight between him and the end zone. And then what happens? The whistle's blown. And the referees... Ruled the player down by contact when it was nowhere close. Mm-hmm. That play lost Tampa the game, regardless well, of everything that had happened beforehand. Uh, that play lost them the game because had the whistle not been blown prematurely, Andrew Adams would have taken it into the end zone. The score would have been thirty to twenty-seven, and the type of momentum play that that is, I think yeah. they would have held on and won the game. I truly do. Well, it was you under said four that, minutes that cost left. in the game. So not getting a fourth and one. Well, not getting a fourth and one hurts, game. dude. Not that's what cost in the game. The, I mean, yes, but you look at this play as well. 
I understand. If it that, works but, out, and and I mean there, there was there was like three and a half minutes left or so. Yeah, I'm not sure what the Titans were thinking. Just kick the field goal, go up seven points. Like if teams the Bucks just, score a touchdown, if the Bucks score a touchdown, they're gonna tie it. So like teams just, just look at the box and think they can get cute with their play calling. And I mean it didn't happen that time. But honestly, that's the first time in a long time I've seen a fake field goal against them, though. Yeah. Yeah, like, no doubt. I haven't seen a fake field goal in a long time. And, yeah, it's dumb. If you want to do a fake field goal, your best bet is to have your holder um, basically get the ball snapped to him, go and stand up and pass the ball. That's your best bet at a fake field goal. We'll draw it what, up, send what it to they Tampa did, Bay, and we'll call it next week. Bet. Um, <laughs> what what they did was dumb. And, yeah, Demo White, absolutely, just like you said, JBL, clothesline from hell. Just, yeah, perfect. And the ball is loose. Like, it is loose in midair. And I, I the ref, one ref didn't see it, I guess. And yeah, Andrew Adams is running. And all you hear is whistles. And, yeah. And then after the game, they say, you know, like, the thing about that rule is that, like, they didn't really see it. And if they wanted, they ruled that the ball was down. They used down by contact. So it wasn't even a fumble. Um, it wasn't even ruled a fumble recovered by Tampa Bay. It was just a turnover on downs. So basically, if they wanted to to rule it a fumble, they could rule it a fumble if it was reviewed, but it could not be advanced at all. Um, and that's just so bad. That's so bad. Like they want to talk about. They've been doing it all year of letting the players play. Right. And on like these fumbles or whatever, not blowing the whistle. Why there then? Like why there? And, and, and then you know and maybe you're right with the momentum thing, right? Maybe it would have won them them the game, but we'll never know because the refs just completely blew it. Right. And we've seen the Buccaneers on the other end of that, which is the interesting thing as well. We've seen plays play out where the whistle just wasn't blown. Yep. I remember, I remember one play in the particular. Giants game. Yeah, the whistle wasn't blown. Nobody knew what the hell was going on, and the play goes off without a hitch. And uh, you know, Buccaneers put points or give up points on the board, and it's just ridiculous, man. NFL officiating as a whole, especially this season, not only with Tampa Bay, but every team in the NFL. Every single week, there is a new officiating controversy, and quite frankly. I'm fed up with it. I know everyone else on the planet is as well, but the NFL really has to take a hard look at what's going on in their officiating. They probably won't because Roger Goodell just simply doesn't give a damn. Um, But that's the way it is, and it shouldn't be that way. It sucks, but I think that's the play that lost Tampa Bay the game. So that's pretty much everything there is to say about this game in Tennessee. Buccaneers are 2-5. and five. It's not where you want to be. But I've got one more question that I want to close the show with. And then we can get out of here. But I figure it would be a good conversation because I've seen some people talking about it. We're two days away from the trade deadline. Yep. You think the Bucs are going to be sellers at the trade deadline? <sighs> um... Sure, but I'm not exactly sure how many pieces they have to sell. Like, go down the list and name me how many pieces they have to sell. There's not much. Like, what? The Dominican Sioux? Nobody, like, not many people are going to be interested in the Dominican Sioux. Right. Levante David? Sure. People are going to want Levante David, but they're not going to trade Levante David right now. No. 
Who else? O.J. Howard? Like, I've been told, basically, by people I trust that, unless they get a massive offer for O.J. Howard, like a first-round pickback or something, or more, they're not going to move him. Um, so maybe something could change, but right on as of Friday, I was told that um, they're not going to move him unless it's a first-round pick or just a, a big offer, like they're blown away, is involved, um, which J.C. Cornell also put out on Twitter. Um uh, who else? Like, there's literally nobody else. Like, I mean, come on. Like, literally nobody else. You're not trading Mike Evans. You're not trading Chris Godwin. Cameron Bright, sure, but I'm not really sure if anybody's going to want to take on his contract right now. Um, there's just there's not much to sell. Like, honestly, Shaq Barrett, you, like, you want to resign him. Jason Pierre-Paul, maybe, but you'd be betting on a team really taking a chance after him playing 20, 25 snaps or so. Yeah, um, you'd be really taking a chance, and you wouldn't get much—maybe a fifth, maybe a sixth, or something. Because I mean, you just wouldn't get a lot. I mean, other than that, there's there's nothing to sell. Like, and, and that's that's the bad part. You know, they're a young team, and that's with a young team, you're not going to have a lot to sell. Um, then Denver, for example, is an older team. Yeah, they they sold Emmanuel Sanders. They might sell Chris Harris. Um, those pieces you can sell, but. Fortunately for the Bucks, they're just not. If they wanted to sell, they're not in the in the position to sell. If they truly wanted to sell, what they would end up doing is just taking a deal for OJ Howard that they shouldn't, which is like a third round pick or something. And well, and I that. think that's also kind of looking at the possibility of what they could do. Like you said, not very much, um, but looking at what they could do. Well, I do think they're going to get a draft pick this week. Okay, because they're going to cover shot very much. Yeah. Yeah, it would not surprise me if Brashad Perryman is gone before this episode releases, and, and then we. The reason the reason I said that, guys, was if they cut Brashad Perryman, they can get a compensatory pick back. Um, I believe the deadline's coming up here that we have to do that. So yeah, um, they've already done it with Deion Buchanan, and they got their third round pick compensatory pick back. And if they cut Brashad Perryman, they can get a fifth round compensatory pick that could potentially turn into a fourth round compensatory pick not sure how that works but yeah that's what i've been told and brashad perryman a name that you threw out there i almost forgot about him in all of today's excitement uh but yeah he needs to go he has brought absolutely nothing to this team at wide receiver three the only play he has made that i can think of off the top of my head was in the Carolina game where he caught a ball for a first down after extending his body to extend the drive, and that's it. Today, he was lined up for a two-point conversion. He ran a fade route, was wide open in the quarter of the end zone. And, I mean, he had nobody within five feet of him in all directions, and he cannot catch the ball in bounds. He He loses track of his footing. You look down, he's got half a foot out. And sure, maybe it's a minute thing, but when you're that wide the hell open, you should have time to step into the football and catch the ball inbounds, and he was not able to do that. This guy has done nothing for us, and uh, the way that this coaching staff talked up a wide receiver three position, we have yet to see it in action this season. He's got to go. And I think he will. Yeah, I, I, I do. I think he will as well. So a very, very interesting time. For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like we said, 2-5, and five, not where you want to be. The trade deadline is coming up, so by the end of this week, we're going to know where they stand with this team and how it's structured right now. Because like you said, you know, sure, they could throw out a sell for O.J. Howard and take a deal that they shouldn't, but if they do, 
depending on the personnel they move around, it's going to say a lot about how they feel about the future of this team, especially headed into the next year when, like we said, there is a very looming possibility that the Bucks will be looking for a quarterback in the draft or free agency. You never know. Week by week, we're going to play this out. We're going to sit here every single week and talk to you guys about the season. The Buccaneers are not going to tank. They're going to try and win football games, and uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. I'd like to have them win some more goddamn <laughs> games, but we'll just be have to ideal. see what happens. Yeah, uh, like I said, like whatever happens, just watch the games. Just I, I know it's tough. It's gonna be stupid of me to say this, but try to enjoy them. I guess. Yeah, man. Um, people, you know, because the same people that are saying, "Oh my god, I can't watch this." Like I'm, they, this is torture for me watching it. Are the same people that in five months are gonna be going, "Oh, I miss football." Like, and man, it's crazy it's too so- because you think about next week. It's the halfway point. Yep. Of the season, we're almost yeah. We're, we're we are literally like we it's week nine. Like it's gonna be week ten. Like double digits coming up here. Week ten, week eleven, week twelve, week thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Done. That like, is insane. <laughs> Halloween's on Thursday. Thanksgiving is coming up. Christmas is closer than ever. Like this season, like even though it seems like it's been long, like you know. Sure, it's like in the games and stuff. This season has gone by so fast. It seems like a week ago they were playing the Panthers in Carolina on Thursday night. That's just old age, Evan. After a while, everything starts to blend together, and uh, the days go uh, by man. faster and faster. Man, I, I hope not. If, <laughs> if they're going by this fast for me when I'm 18, I can't even imagine what's going to happen when I'm like 30. Yeah, Jeez. really. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's pretty much everything we've got for this week's game reaction. Thank you so much for listening or watching with video, whether it was on YouTube or BucksReport.com. Quick little announcement. Uh, We had some schedule mishaps. We had some technology mishaps. We went to record the game preview show for this week's game. And uh, my computer decided to delete everything video-wise that we have for CFP. So, before we recorded today... I made it all over from scratch, and uh, we're going to be back on our regular schedule. So this episode is going to release on Sunday, and then, of course, we'll have the Bucks break on Tuesday. That'll be another interesting show. And then Thursday, for a little Halloween special, Ooh. we'll have our game preview. It'll be a spooky one. So look forward <laughs> to that. And maybe, uh, it's, maybe it's a scary game. <laughs> let's hope the Buccaneers can turn things around between now and next week, because after next week, the road trip is finally over. Evan will be in Tampa, and uh, maybe we'll both meet up at the Arizona Cardinals game. Who knows? But like I said, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Make sure you find the show on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can follow us on all of those at Cannon Fire Podcast. Follow me on social media, Instagram and Twitter at Redicus. If you follow me, I'll follow you back. Follow my co-host and good buddy Evan on Instagram and Twitter at BucksWave. Maybe he'll follow you back. I don't know. He didn't nah, follow me back on Twitter up until a few weeks ago. So yeah, we'll have hey. to see what happens. In my defense, you didn't even use Twitter. So. Yeah, I didn't. You know what? I've jumped back on Twitter this season, and it's been a lot of fun. I really, really enjoy it's, it's Twitter. Been, it's also brutal. But, yeah, you know. yeah. There's a lot, of di- uh, a lot of interesting things that happen in the land of Twitter. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, the Cannon Fire Podcast is sponsored by Pinecrest Printing and Signs. Do you need an image for your business? Well, Pinecrest Printing has got you covered in more ways than one. They have been providing the Tampa Bay business community with quality commercial printing and design since 2001. Their printing professionals are ready to provide you with quality marketing solutions for today's industries. 
They're also the newest sponsor of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Give them a call at 813-684-5444 or check out the website at pinecrestprinting.com. CFP and Pinecrest Printing has got some goodies in the works. And if you follow us on social media, I'm sure you've seen me teasing some things here and there. Maybe a little interesting design of the show logo, some things that are going to be coming out of that. Mm. Uh, Just keep an eye on it. Just keep an eye on it. Mm. Maybe we'll make an announcement later this week or the week after that. I don't know. We'll see how we feel. But thank you so much for listening to this episode. I am Rhett, signing off for Evan, and we'll catch you guys next time. Go Bucks! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.